Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Lighthouse Lounge for the second time this morning, because I don't know how to set up OBS properly. <laughs> Greetings, one and all. I'm Kronos Rider. My name is Jas here. And we're going to just chat about stuff and things and stuff. Just and to... this time we're going to do it better because we already did it once. Uh, fortunately, we hadn't gotten <laughs> that deep. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was mostly just sort of idle chatter to begin with. So Yeah. Uh, so uh, running back through most of this really quick housekeeping anime club for Princess Connect Redive. That episode... Uh, was originally planned for next week, August 15th. That has been delayed uh, one week to August 22nd. So yeah. that's when we're going to be, you know, so you got another seven days to watch the show and be entertained, hopefully. I've actually been doing my homework already. I got through, I think, maybe four or five episodes. I think um, I'm about four episodes in. So mm -hmm. I've, I've been watching it with Kess in the evenings, and it's just this nice fluffy show with just enough weirdness to make my wife go what is going on here uh -huh. <laughs> they, they cleaned out a house and had food <laughs> they ate dinner that's pretty much how each episode ends <laughs> it's funny i can't remember when it was somebody was was talking about bounce i think it may have been the last last stream uh, and yeah. uh bounce yes it's it's definitely got one of those those sorts of styles to it and unfortunately every time i notice that now all i can hear is scar from the lion king saying oh zazu do lighten up sing something with a little bounce in it and it's just like no 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 <laughs> yes, anyway there, there 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 is bounce there's there's yeah. nothing you know there, there's nothing to it, it, it's it's an all audiences show it is not you know i'm i'm trying to stay away from anything tvma for this particular yeah aspect of things it's a good idea so yeah one more week and then uh we'll have tomed on to uh discuss things uh with that show uh since he was actually the one who uh, made the original recommendation and I'd been looking for an excuse to watch it anyway just because I'd seen a couple mm -hmm. of YouTube videos on it. Uh, and to be fair, my uh my repertoire of, you know, watching uh actually anything new anime wise has been it's been a dry well because for whatever reason just nothing grabbed me. So I I think it's better if someone just said, Hey just go just go watch it. It's like, okay. That way I can yeah. try some new stuff, you know? Yeah, and and on that note, uh it this is actually giving me an excuse to watch things because I generally just kind of stick with, you know, this whole, well, if I'm going to be sitting and looking at a screen, I want to have some control over what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then I go and binge the story quest line for PSO two episode four, but that comes later. <laughs> uh, last bit of housekeeping, uh, starting in early September, September. We are in early August now, so in about a month we're going to uh, attempt to start a host rotation, because somebody's going to be busy on the weekends. I, well, busy all the time, really. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Adulting sucks sometimes. Hope, hopefully, if I can find a way to balance things out, um, we can make it work, but uh, until I know for sure, I, yeah, I gotta kind of play it safe and sorry, because I'd hate to get, uh, you know, halfway through the year and be like you're failing your classes it's like why because you're podcasting all the time i was like, I know but i want to <laughs> so yeah we'll see about uh, getting some of the other 
after Atlantis folks in here for for chats and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as uh, what we've been playing this week, I'm just going to lump that in with the news because there isn't a whole lot of newsy news that has really caught my interest. Uh, a couple of things came out this week. Uh, if we're going to go chronologically, Fall Guys released on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Which is something that uh, I was in the closed beta for and tried uh. it out. Really liked it. It's a battle royale, but it's not a battle royale like every other battle royale is. <laughs> because uh, I, I don't know if you've seen like Wipeout or uh, Takashi's Castle, which got uh, joke dubbed in the U.S. as uh, most extreme elimination challenge or whatever. <laughs> Basically, you play this little jelly bean guy and mm. you're running through obstacle courses and you're teaming up with other players for, you know, a little competitive mini games. And each round eliminates a certain number of people and you're just trying to be the last one standing. Gotcha. But it's but it's Mario Party style mini games with as many as 60 people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So <laughs> so. Imagine how bad some of those Mario Party mini games are with four people. Yeah, and multiply that by fifteen. <laughs> some of these, I mean, some of these are some of them are just straight up, you know, get from point A to point B, and like one of them, there's seesaws, so you have to like it's it's, it's physics based, so you have to like balance these seesaws because otherwise. No one's going to be able to progress because no one's going to be able to jump from one seesaw to the next because there's too much weight on one end. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's this sort of, sort of competitive yet still kind of cooperative element to it because if nobody makes it to the end, nobody gets to qualify. Yeah. For the next round. So, that's <laughs> that's been interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's it's got the whole season pass sort of thing, but it's completely free. Okay. So you you know as you you know as you play games, the better you perform, the more XP you earn. XP fills up a bar. Filling up the bar gets you and unlock like a new color scheme or a new pattern for your little jelly bean dude or new costume you know things or currency to spend in their shop to buy more you know uh things mm -hmm. and it's you know it, it is a game that you buy once and that's it the only extra thing that you can really pay for uh is a few extra costumes for like the collector's edition which i have and that's it everything you know all the all the uh in-game currencies are only earned you do not buy them hmm. and i hope they keep it that way because this game is bonkers i love it i hope that one of the things that they're going to add in the future is like a private match mode where you can like set up an invite code or something and just you know like because this is the sort of game that is blown up on Twitch. Gotcha. Like, I was checking Thursday night. I was looking at the, the Twitch listings just because I was curious. 
Fall Guys had over 300,000 people watching it on Twitch. Huh. That means it had beat out Minecraft. It had beat out Valorant. It had beat out League of Legends, Grand Theft Auto, Fortnite, and the just chatting section of Twitch. <laughs> it was number one on Twitch Thursday night with over 300,000 people. That is hmm. bigger than some of the like big championship esports things, like the League of Legends championship yeah. tournament. Well, hopefully then with that kind of, you know, um, uh, coverage and revenue coming in, yeah, maybe they will be able to just have a one-time fee and stick to that and nothing else. That'd yeah. be really cool. That and especially, I mean, I, I, I really think this is, this is just me being an armchair game developer, but I really believe that they should try to prioritize the private game match function that I hope mm-hmm. is on their plate. Because if they do that, there are going to be Twitch streamers who are going to be like, you know, even if it's not every night, even if it's just like a once a week thing. Hey, everybody watching, come join me and we're all going to compete in this game. And we're going to just have a bonkers time. Mm -hmm. So I really, really hope that they are able to take this momentum and keep going with it and really make this thing a worthwhile game to stick with for years. And I hope that they get to do it on a single purchase price. And here's the other thing. it's Right now it's only available on Steam and PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4, it launched on PlayStation Plus. It is a free game if you have PlayStation Plus this month. Okay. Well, Granted, yeah. I, haven't owned, I haven't owned a Sony console <laughs> in years, so I bought the Steam copy. But so yeah, you can technically get it for free right now if you've got a PS4 and an online subscription, which I think that costs what ten, fifteen bucks a month. I can't remember. Something, Unfortunately, something like <laughs> every yeah. time we, we we think about stuff like that, it's like, yeah, but we're already paying for this, we're already paying for that, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame because there's so many things I'd love to do, but once you add them all up, it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. When you got as many hobbies as I do, you can't really invest too much into any one of them <laughs> because <laughs> you want to pay for stuff for all of them, and it's like. All right, budget. I'm going to pay this much for this thing this week and this much for this thing this week, and that's really expensive. I need to save up for a couple of months. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, and then a day later, uh, at the end of server maintenance, uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 launched Mm. in two ways. It launched on Steam, for the first time, so anybody who's been having trouble with the Windows 10 install no longer needs to worry about that. Uh, although, if you have been playing on the Windows 10 store, please, 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 please check all the FAQs on the official website, on the subreddit, on the community Discord. 
because there is a very specific thing that you must do to link your existing PSO2 account to your Steam account. And if you mm -hmm. fail to do that thing, you're going to be locked out of ever linking those accounts together. It sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. There's a very particular process that you have to do. So it makes sure you follow those steps very closely if you are going to link your existing Xbox Live PSO2 account to a Steam PSO2 account. Otherwise, their servers are going to treat your two accounts as two accounts mm -hmm. and not the same. And it's frustrating, but there might I, I might need to mess around with the uh, the PSO2 tweaker program, which is this third-party utility that used to be what North American players would use to play on the Japanese servers. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but now it has a certain utility where you can treat a single install location as both your Windows Store and your Steam installs. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can make that work so I can finally uninstall my Windows Store version of the game because I do not need two copies of a 70 gig MMO on my computer. Which reminds me, I just realized I don't think I've removed mine yet. I I know I've installed the second one, but I don't think I ever removed the first. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, the the reason the the reason I want to uh, I still want to use the tweaker, even though I'm I'm set up on Steam now for the most part, is there are certain uh, there are certain like bonuses, giveaways, things like that. Mm, gotcha. Uh, of in-game items that are only available through logging in on either an Xbox, mm -hmm. which I have an Xbox One S, and its loading times are garbage, <laughs> or the Windows 10 version. So basically, you know, you have to... There, there are certain things like uh, the Game Pass Ultimate Perks, which is like a free monthly giveaway of items, in-game you know, in items, which sometimes they're just boosters. Sometimes they throw in some cosmetic stuff with that. And though, you know, anything like that that is acquired through the Microsoft ecosystem can only be picked up through a Microsoft install of the game. Mm. And likewise, there are certain items that you can only pick up through the Steam install of the game. But the tweaker yep. allows both versions of the game to technically coexist in a single install so that might be beneficial if i need to pick up an xbox bonus or something yeah it's one of those things that i mean they do it to try and get you know marketability from platform to platform i think it was star trek online years and years ago i remember being like oh i'll i'll get the the pc copy because it's my jam and you get like this red matter thing that comes with it way way back when it first launched and then i heard about some of the other things you can get on the other versions i'm like oh, but, or at least through who you buy it from like whether it's walmart or target they actually oh, from retailer exclusives yes retailer like, exclusives are uh, the worst kind of exclusive mm -hmm. I mean, so people yeah complain about the wrong thing but yeah people want to complain about platform exclusives and you know storefront exclusives it's, it's like 
you know, oh, you, you you have to go through, you know, Epic Game Store to, to buy this particular game. Yeah, at least you're not having to buy it from a specific brick and mortar store to get a bonus. Because mm-hmm. that was that was a trend that I am so glad has gone mostly by the wayside. <laughs> GameStop still manages to rope publishers into doing that now and again. And it irks me every time. Because, like, what if I don't want to buy through GameStop? What if I'm okay with GameStop going out of business because I don't like their business model? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we have a suggestion that region exclusives can be worse than retail. Mm, yeah, but at the same time, regional exclusive stuff. I mean, we're talking about PSO2. That entire mm. game was region exclusive for the better part of eight years. You know what the funny thing is? <laughs> I never even knew that they had released one in Japan. Oh, you haven't heard of it? First, when it first came out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's been so long. They're finally doing it. And then you told me, I think it was last week, uh, that I actually heard about it. Actually, it's been out for a while. I was like, really? In Japan? It's like, oh, <laughs> got it. <laughs> Yeah, in Japan, it's an eight-year-old game. That's why you know New Genesis being this you know thing that's going to be launching, you know, globally essentially is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird because you're technically going to be able to play the same character in both games. Mm-hmm. Those games, story-wise, take place a thousand years apart. Didn't I hear something along the lines of it's basically each character? Oh, oh goodness sake, I gotta really watch that mic. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I hear that uh, technically um, it's two different characters? They just look the same. You're actually got two different progression trees. Is that right? Basically, yeah, kind okay. of, yeah. sort of, maybe. I'm not sure. I, I guess we'll find out when it actually comes out, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So alongside the Steam launch, we also got Episode 4 mm-hmm. and, a lot, and a lot of the things that uh, came with it. Oddly enough, uh, if you go through the story missions, you'll run into the Summoner class representative, even though he's been in the game in North America since launch. <laughs> Yeah, so we got the you know so we so we got the summoner class. At the same time, we got episodes one, two, and three, <laughs> and all the content that goes with those. Oh boy, that story! <laughs> I was going to say at the moment, unfortunately, the most we've done is we got through the prologue and a, a run through the forest. That's yeah. that's pretty much all we've got time to do so far. Yeah, the the, the story quests. Really, I leave it up to the individual whether or not you should skip the the cutscenes and stuff. I watched everything because it's like it's basically an anime where you have to click to move to the next line of dialogue, basically. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we watch- only sometimes. Other times they'll advance to the next line of dialogue immediately because they have like specifically synced animations that they want to make sure that everything's lined up with. But so. Uh, episodes one through three, um, those make for a nice, solid story arc. Mm-hmm. Episode four comes in, and is like, is that a fourth wall? 
<laughs> Get the sledgehammer. <laughs> I watched the fourth wall get demolished to powder by episode four. And somehow it all technically kind of weirdly makes sense story-wise. <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much, but there, early on, there is a character that you meet, brand new NPC, who is not exactly what they seem, and they hit the logout button. Oh, gosh. Okay. They pull up the menu that shows up at the bottom of your screen when you hit the escape key, and they log out. <laughs> and that's just the start of me going, I'm sorry, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, it's very, um, it's very dot hack, actually. I don't know if you've seen that series. I'm familiar with it, yes. It's, it's one of those ones that I, I had not really appreciated what was going on until... Um, watching it a second time through because I kind of only half-heartedly watched it in the first place. Yeah, but just that and, whole and duality then, of the universe kind of thing was very interesting. And then dot, well, here's the thing. This is the first time anybody has treated this world as an MMO. Mm-hmm. Everything up to this point has been played completely straight and so you, you know, so this character logs out and you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that was my catchphrase for episode four. I binged the story over like three days. And mm -hmm. like you can like you can go check the Discord. Oh, we we saw it. <laughs> it was just, just like, this cloud of confusion. Just just this you know, this one refrain kept coming up. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? At one point, the, the at one point the story just went full JoJo. <laughs> it's like okay, this guy's gone and made himself a stand. Okay then, <laughs> what the heck is going on? So yeah, I I I'm going to stop there because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who actually wants to to go through and enjoy all that. Yeah, okay. hopefully we'll be able to to burn through that relatively soon we'll, we'll see yeah and and then i go through uh you know then I'm, I'm you know going through the subreddit this morning and somebody had found a uh somebody had found uh dubbed lines from a uh story quest that had been cut mm. and then i looked at the youtube thumbnail and i'm like oh that's why because it's high school it's high school girls in a locker room like well that's all i need to know about why it got cut right people can complain about censorship all they want this girl is underage yeah let's just leave that out of the north american release i'm fine with it call me a prude if you want just brrr. anyway <laughs> just yeah we don't need that the story was fine as it is <laughs> so yeah so now I can actually play the game <laughs> it's like I'm done with the story massive cliffhanger mm -hmm. and, you know, and 
each episode is cut up into chapters. I'm wondering if in Japan, if they didn't get those chapters, you know, on a slower schedule, like, you know, regular releases of more story quests and Mm -hmm. stuff because it's divided into chapters. So, you know, you would get, you know, maybe a chapter one at the original launch of episode four. And then, you know, chapter two would come a few months later and, you know, see, so they would, you know, slowly piecemeal out. What I got was a Netflix season that ends on a massive cliffhanger. I binged it all and I'm left going, dude, sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, don't do this to me. I got invested in your story and you pull this crap. But now I can play the game. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I will say that uh, uh, if you go looking at the uh, like the daily and weekly missions and stuff, you're gonna mm. see um, these things called bonus keys that you can earn. Those keys are worthwhile to earn because I got three of them as part of one of my uh, like I think it was my Windows Store freebie. Mm. Got uh, three bonus keys for a specific bonus quest. Bonus quests are normal difficulty, only normal difficulty. No matter what level you are, there is only normal difficulty. Mm -hmm. And it is just a blitz to see how fast you can burn through a bunch of enemies and you get level appropriate experience for it. Hmm. Like it's just an arena. It just drops you into an arena throws a bunch of dudes at you in waves and it's like go nuts dude burn the, <laughs> burn these burn these guy enemies down as fast as you can and the faster you do it the more loot you get at the end hmm. so. it's it's actually kind of funny um about the uh, original game one of the things i always wish they would do is just give me rooms full of enemies that just keep respawning because at some point i'm just like i'm not interested in the loot i just want the exp and if i can just sit in a room and be blatting things i'm good with that for a little while bonus the, the, the bonus quests that i've done are great for xp i've gotten mm-hmm. i'm i'm in the mid to late 50s on my current class mm-hmm. on bouncer and i'm getting i'm getting a level or a, a level up or two every bonus quest oh wow so normal difficulty but you're still getting a good chunk of experience. I mean, shoot, the final, the f- last couple of bosses give you like seven digit XP numbers. Yeesh. And it's on normal difficulty. So if you're high enough level, you're just, you know, like, if you did this at low level, it might take you longer, but you'd probably ding like four, five, six, seven times, depending on how low level you are attempting this. But yeah, mm-hmm. these guys are not very hard at level 50 plus but i'm still getting a couple of levels every time i do one yeah so it's like okay this is a way for solo players like me to level up oh speaking of solo players so i have a question now obviously the name implies fantasy star online i get that but i set up the quest to go to i think it was the forest um when we got in there, there were people running around, like actual other players. And the thing I couldn't figure out was I thought we had set it to 
like friends only. Are, are there always instances where people kind of blend together and move around? Or did I miss something? Maybe I set it up wrong. Uh, it, when it comes to expeditions, most of those mm -hmm. are going to be multi-party instances. Gotcha. Like specifically, like until you get to like the like the episode three, episode four areas mm -hmm. where those play out differently. Most of your most of the expeditions are area one. Area two, those are both multi-party instances. So mm -hmm. you can set your own party to be friends only. Okay. But you can still have other parties. Encounter other parties. I in see. that instance, okay. because a, a multi-party instance can support up to 12 players total across multiple parties. Mm -hmm. Now, once you get to area three, where the boss usually is, that becomes a single party instance at that right. point. Right. Because we did notice that there was nobody else in, in the boss section. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, we're trying to clear through a level, but there's some there's one party ahead of us already clearing. It's like, oh, we have to sit here and wait for something yeah. to respawn. Yeah. However, at the same time, we sometimes get like bonuses for things that we had no part in. It'll be like challenge <laughs> mode, such and such completed it's like we weren't even involved at least we don't we don't think Emergency. we were <laughs> yeah, exactly attack yeah <laughs> and so i've gotten i think i got at least one uh achievement on the game that i did not <laughs> earn <laughs> yeah so uh definitely going to see about getting you two and hopefully kess will be able to play at some point uh She's going to be juggling a baby, so who knows how effective that's going to be. But the nice thing I is, just, the, the, the nice thing is, there are certain there are certain classes that you can play with just the mouse. Mm -hmm. You don't you know, unless you need to heal yourself with a monomate or something. You do not have to touch the keyboard at all. Mm -hmm. So if I can steer Kess away from a caster and just have her be you play like hunter or something, she should be able to actually like do stuff without needing to have both hands free. So mm -hmm. that should be good. But <laughs> definitely want to get you guys leveled up to where we can start running like advanced quests because advanced quests are single single party max in the instance mm -hmm. and it is just burn as many dudes down as you can. And the rewards are absurd, <laughs> especially like it, it is it is a fairly good way to XP grind. Uh, once you're closer to like, you know, in the 70 to 80 range, you're probably looking at uh, wanting to do. Uh, it's not extreme quests, it's ultimate quests. Mm -hmm. Ultimate quests are once again, 12 players, but we have enough people to cover probably half of an ultimate quest by ourselves now as a, mm -hmm. as a, uh, as a alliance. I was about to say guild. And I'm like, that's not the right word. <laughs> so, Might as well be. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it a fleet? Is it a clan? Is it, a... <laughs> I mean, in, in, in general, it's kind of a clan guild thing, but the, the technical term is alliance, which, I've pretty much got almost everything that we could 
get in our alliance quarters at this point. So I'll have to talk to you about how to like get to all that stuff because that was something we were uh, weren't sure about, and by the time we got round to it, it was like yeah, it's late. We'll we'll deal with it another time. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 alliance quarters uh, is accessible through the block elevator. Same with mm. same as uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's the same as going to personal quarters, which mm-hmm. if you don't have a subscription, an active subscription, is a tiny room. <laughs> <laughs> which for for me as a cast, that's fine. He just stands there and is like, "I'm good. I don't need anything." <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I kind of wanted more room because I, you know, managed to somehow get my hands on a bed and a rug and a bunch of wall decorations. I have a, I have a knuckle statue and a spinning Sega logo and a dartboard and a jukebox with you know live and learn cranked up on it. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Save up for thirteen star weapons? Psh, give me more furniture, man. <laughs> But uh, I actually I do have I do have a vending machine now. It's like a <laughs> it, it's it's like a little gotcha capsule thing. But here's the thing that technically allows me to trade with people without both parties needing to have a premium set active. Interesting premium set being you know because basically it is like a localized version of a player shop. Mm-hmm. So I can drop items in there and set the price per capsule to whatever. So I can set it to absolute minimum because I would only drop an item in there if I wanted one of you guys to have it. Mm-hmm. So I can actually use that to trade with you, even though, you know, be- because that way it bypasses the player market and I don't have to worry about some other person looking to make bank by snapping up an expensive item and reselling yeah. it themselves. Yeah. I can basically make sure that only the person I want to have the item gets it because you can't just drop stuff on the ground unless you're in challenge mode, which is a completely different game mode, which, you know, I think we're going to get you guys used to playing the actual game first before we start worrying about that. <laughs> yeah. That's my head a, is that, still spinning. Challenge mode is interesting. That's a completely different uh, mode of play where it's kind. It's it's not technically roguelike because the maps are the same every time, but it's a mode where you get in there with up to you know up to twelve people total, and you are a specific class that is only avail- accessible in challenge mode that can equip any weapon and learn any technique or photon art. Hmm. So basically it's you get random drops of weapons. So it's basically you get what you get. (laughs) So, you know, you can get like, you know, a katana, but then you won't get an actual katana photon art in the next box. Ah. But you can actually drop items so that other people can pick them up. So it's you know a lot okay. of communication and hey, I have this to trade. Does anybody have something I can use? Sort of mm-hmm. deal. So it's it's a lot about doing what you can with what you've got. And there is a timer, and every time someone dies, 
you burn up some of that timer. So it's mm-hmm. very much about survival, especially in the early stages. But uh, the better you perform throughout the, the challenge quest, the more challenge miles you get, which is a currency that you can use to buy 13-star weapons that are very useful for uh, augmenting and things, which... Oof, don't get me started on augmenting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow, that is such a... It, it's, it's A, extremely expensive, and B, very research-intensive, so you know what the heck you're doing before you start. So, until you have a maxed-out character class, don't bother. <laughs> right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Prey says you do need a premium account to be able to place the capsule machine in your room, which I do. Mm-hmm. And the capsule machine was, you know, is still there. So, multiple maxed out. I don't know about multiple, it depends. I mean, you definitely want to max out every class because of the uh, the the stat boosts that you get for hitting seventy five on every class. Mm. But I would argue that beyond getting every class to seventy five, you really only need to max like fully. You know, now now the level cap is eighty and not seventy five. <laughs> I'd argue that you really only need to max out the one or two classes that you really want to focus on playing, as opposed to. You know, like, you know, you, you get the main class and a subclass, and in the next couple of major content updates, we're going to get classes that don't have subclasses, but can be used as subclasses. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't be a hero summoner, you can be a hero. Like, you can't be a phantom bouncer, but you can be a bouncer phantom. I don't understand how it all works yet, because they haven't explained it that well. Because, you know, that's, you know, hero class is two months out. So I'm not even going to bother right now. Yeah. So, so far, I know how to swing the sword. And that's it. Yep. <laughs> oh, just, oh j- just, just wait. Uh, at, at some point, you're going to have to learn how to use that shift key to block at just the right time. So you get a, mm-hmm. get a, get a boost and. Yeah, then you, then you start uh, that. Then you go look at fighter, which is considered to be like one of the most technically di- uh, tricky classes to learn. And of course, that's the first one I hit seventy five with. <laughs> I don't know what it is about games. It seems like every time there is a game, I am immediately drawn for reasons completely aside from difficulty to that looks cool. I want to play that. Oh yeah, it turns out that's the most difficult thing to learn right off the bat. <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. I d- it's like I did that with PSO2. I've done that with other games. I did that with uh, Malifaux, which was a tabletop game, a tabletop skirmish game, which mm-hmm. is a nice little segue into our main topic. We're talking about tabletop today. Now that we're you know kind of segueing off of PSO2. <laughs> There's a... Uh, there's a tabletop skirmish game called Malifaux. It is 
<sighs> Steampunk Victorian Wild West horror. All mashed into one setting. Mm-hmm. And I got into it like right around book two or three, I think. Uh, and it's on like book six or seven now as far as like content and stuff. I got into it relatively early, basically. Mm-hmm. And the faction that interested me the most were the the showgirls, you know, the saloon entertainers, the you know, the dancers and performers and stuff because they had these, you know, nifty little like teleport tricks and things that you could do to 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 you know, work movement and 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 interesting things like that. And of course, some of the most techn- technically advanced things that you're going to be working with in this entire tabletop game and yeah this man would play Prinny I would not play a ranger class in D&D 5e (laughs) (laughs) ranger class is broken and I don't mean OMG that's broken overpowered I mean this class does not work except in the very specific situation where this class solves all the problems that are put forward in the first place. So it's like the ranger class is a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> Cause the way the ranger class is written, it re- the ranger class in order for the ranger class to flourish without like multi-classing into something technically more useful in say an urban setting. You know, if if you're if you're doing like a big wilderness exploration campaign the ranger solves every problem that the DM could throw at you to make things challenging for you. It's like, oh, uh, you you guys get lost in the woods. I'm a ranger. I can't get lost. Oh, you <laughs> you guys have run out of rations. I'm a ranger. I'll forage for food. It's like the only situation in which the ranger class actually like fills out what they're meant to do they do everything so well that the dm can't really challenge the party at all because the ranger's like i can fix that but then you get them in the city and the ranger's kind of like i got nothing <laughs> so Yeah, it's one of the things I like about the uh, the skill challenges, though, is is trying to force like everybody to try to figure things out. Because yep. yeah, the ranger may be able to add something fairly significant, but then you've got to worry about everybody else. Like I, I, uh, uh, I look for sticks. I look for sticks. Okay, good. You you go. Look You're in a forest. You rolled a one. No sticks. <laughs> Every possible tree branch is ten feet over your head. Oh man! But I'm a Goliath, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fantastic arborist in this forest. <laughs> He's really, really into his job. Oh yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, D and D, you know, t- tabletop war games. I mean, this yesterday so oh man ninth edition the big fat book look, look at all those pages look at them look at them 
So it's uh, it's funny actually. Just a just a quick story here. Um, that actually was my Warhammer experience, and this is something that I think kind of switches people off in general. I first got into it years and years ago, decades by now, and I started out with the. Uh, I call them Tyranids, but apparently it's actually Tyranids. I'm not quite sure which. It makes sense. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the Xenomorphs. Got it. Um, and uh, I got myself, a, not a big army, but I got myself an army, filled them all out, and had a bunch of different things ready to go and started you know, playing and fighting. And like the next year, they came out with a new codex. Oh, yeah. And codex not only was it just like Not only was it just like, oh, we've changed a few rules, so now you just have to modify how you do things with your army no it was we're changing the models so all the ones that you have they're basically an obsolete like the 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 hive has evolved and yeah. your guys are now like second rate and whilst they may be dangerous they're just not worth it I'm like oh Co codex creep is definitely one of the things that i've seen people complain about the most mm -hmm. when it comes to 40k and especially 40k Fantasy a little less, but then again, fantasy has its own, you know, like Age of Sigmar has its own detractors because they don't like, you know, the people who liked playing Warhammer Fantasy, the, the old style Warhammer Fantasy, were the people who liked to have a fantasy coat of paint on their historical war game mm -hmm. <laughs> because... The old Warhammer Fantasy was everybody was on square bases so you could fit them into movement trays and you just just have these rank-and-file regiments that you'd push around the table and, mm -hmm. you know, they'd, they'd take hits. And, you know, Age of Sigmar is a much more, like, heroic fantasy. You know, everybody's, you know, kind of this, you know, e each individual model is somewhat powerful in and of itself. And a lot of people didn't like the change. And I'm okay with it because, oh, wait, you mean there's a Warhammer setting that actually has, like, good guys in it? Like, actually heroic figures? And not just, you know, you know, questionable morality? Cough, Emperor of Man? Cough? <laughs> I mean, they've been doing their best to make uh, Space Marines the heroes of the setting for freaking years now. But, I mean, let's face it. These are, you know, fanatical, xenophobic, you know. It's, uh... They're fanatical, they're xenophobic, they, you know, worship a god that is a desiccated husk of a man who's being kept alive on technology and dark magic. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrificing a thousand souls a day to keep him alive. It's like, I'm sorry, that is... Like, I don't even think the Aztecs sacrificed that many people to their gods. <laughs> I think they would have run out of people after a few months. It actually, I, I thought about that. It's like the logistics of that. It just sounds like it wouldn't work. <laughs> well, keep in mind, this is a setting that uh, has planets with populations in the trillions. It's and true. Al and also 
campaigns of war on said planets with death tolls that are almost the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I've watched a couple of uh, YouTube series. I forget one in particular I've watched that's been really good, talking about the in-depth kind of law behind actually almost everything as much as he can, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the stuff is really really dark i mean it's like warhammer's dark i get that but it's like oh it's it's darker than i thought that's that's well that's much worse you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. in in the grim dark future you have the 41st millennium there is only war it's like okay yeah we get it i'm gonna go play orcs they're fun <laughs> <laughs> they just want to bash things that's all they care about i like those guys I actually, one of the, my favorite things is the is the interactions of the orcs with almost all the other races, especially the Eldar, because <laughs> uh, and this is in the not the Warhammer game itself, but the um, Dawn of War computer game. Okay, just the back and forth because the the orc is very simple. He knows exactly what he's on about. It's like I'm gonna put your head on me pointy stick, and that's basically all he wants. And the yeah. Eldar, it's like you can't be reasoned with and using all these fancy words. And he's just like just gonna shoot you up and smash your heads in it's gonna be wonderful every time you shoot at us it's like the best thing ever so nothing nothing you do or say is gonna change the orcs at all they're just still gonna roll over you like a wave of destruction they want to fight mm-hmm. they all get in a scrap that's all they want <laughs> there's a fight over there all right move out boys <laughs> you know that's pretty much it. That's that's an orc. And it's like you know, it's like, oh, I wish I wish I knew where that, that meme pick was. It's like a it's like a screenshot of a Tumblr post or something, but it's like, you know, the kind of player that plays each single faction and sub faction of 40k and goes through everything, you know, and at the top it's like, you know, Adeptus Astartes, you might be a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Astra Militarum. No, you're definitely a fascist. (laughs) And it gets to the bottom. It's like orcs. You think everyone above takes this game way too seriously? (laughs) It's like that's my boys. (laughs) I love too that they've got this strange connection to. I think it's the warp or something where they have this strong belief of anything, and it actually becomes true. Of things like red being a faster color than. Everything red else. One, the, the reason red ones go faster is because yeah. they think so. <laughs> Which is just fantastic. It's in the game rules. If you paint stuff red with this particular uh, sub-faction of orcs, you have a higher movement speed with your vehicles. <laughs> it's in the game rules. I love that. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely uh, just... fun, fun factions. Yeah, and you know, granted, I believe you could probably you know, have fun with just about any of these, but it really depends on the kind of people you play with. Because uh, story time on my end, uh, my first, ex- you know, my my first direct experience with you know the the setting and everything was I was in a, an RPG group. Um, this was years ago. Now I want to say almost a decade at this point. But long, you know, long, long time ago by, you know, certain standards. And 
the the leader of this group, who's the the primary DM, other people DM games, but the the the, the head of this group basically had this idea where everyone you know everyone in this group should learn to play as many rpgs as possible so that way when someone expresses interest in playing you can go oh i know how to play that sure i'll join your group makes a bit of sense we, we played a bunch of different stuff one of the things we played was death watch that sounds familiar the well, Death Watch is a uh, very specific subfaction of Space Marines, and oh, okay. there was there was an entire uh, there was an, an entire subset of Fantasy Flight's 40k RPG built around playing a Death Watch kill team, and we went through this introductory thing. And keep in mind, this is my first time ever playing anything that has anything to do with Warhammer anything 40k mm-hmm. or otherwise and so i'm doing things that are technically out of character i.e. being reckless rushing into a fight because i'm kind <laughs> of under the impression that that's what we're here for is to kill things mm-hmm. so i'm being that guy and because I'm not taking the source material seriously enough and I'm not behaving in, in you know, the, you know, the, in, in a way that is proper for a member of a death watch kill team, the DM has no problem slaughtering me in one round <laughs> twice in one session. Oh yeah. He did to me once. Then he did it to me again when I came in with a second character so that I wouldn't be just sitting there watching everyone else play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, seriously, what the hell? He's like, that is not how you know a Space Marine reacts. I'm like, how would I know that? This is the first time I've ever done anything with 40k. <laughs> it's like uh so kind of soured someone... me on the setting for a while. Yeah, seriously, it's like can, can someone clue me in here? That would be great. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience playing Saga, not for the first time. Uh, Saga being the Star Wars, Star Wars. Saga edition, yeah, the precursor um, to D and D Fourth Edition. Indeed. Um, when I showed up at a group, I had a bunch of tables around, you know, people playing various games, and it was my first time going out and and playing with other people that I didn't know. I mostly mm-hmm. stayed amongst my group of friends and we play different games mostly DD. so first that time how i prefer doing to do this. things yeah mm-hmm. first time going out into the world and, and finding new people to do this stuff with and we sat down and i'm asking all the questions can we be jedi yes you can be jedi can we have lightsabers like you're a jedi so yes etc cetera, etc cetera. I'm, I'm doing all the all the sort of noob tropes yeah. but one of the things that of course i was fairly obvious was like i'm new to this so don't don't you know yell at me because I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, at one point, I think I asked a question. It was a, some question about whether or not um, lightsabers were considered finesse weapons because of some feat or other that I wanted to take. And I remember one of the guys at the table just kind of trying to look at me like, "Yeah, of course they're finesse weapons. They're like such and such. They weigh such and such." Like, 
I, I didn't know that. And that's how it went on, like the entire evening. I kept Ooh. getting these really like sour, how come you haven't memorized the book before you came and started playing with us looks? And it's uh, like, okay, guys, I how how do you expect to get new players interested in this stuff if you're gonna go on this elitist rant about you don't know how to do stuff? You're never uh, gonna include yeah. new people. You got I mean, yeah, sometimes you make new mistakes, like I said. I wanna be a Jedi, I'm gonna swing my lightsaber and blah blah blah. It's it's the fun thing that you want to do, but mm-hmm. you gotta have a bit of compassion there because otherwise, yeah, you're just gonna end up with a bunch of very cynical, very grumpy people <laughs> playing a game yeah. unless people know exactly what you're what they're doing and yeah. or do it to your specifications, which you don't know, they're gonna get mad at you. And it's like, guys, that's that's it's not gonna win anybody over. Yeah, elitism is definitely I mean it's it's always been a problem. It's probably always going to be a problem. It's it's that sort of thing where when you you know I think I understand the mindset, even though I do my absolute best not to engage in it. I think the mindset is one of I have devoted so much of my free time to you know engaging in this hobby in this way and i believe that you know everyone should be as devoted to this thing as i am which Mm -hmm. obviously is way off base but that it is what it is and you know and I think that's where, you know, people kind of get this, you know, don't you already know everything? You know, why would you, why why would you play this game if you aren't going to, you know, if you aren't going to memorize the book? Exactly. All, how thick is this thing? 367 pages. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. remember... I remember getting book after book after book for the 3.5, what became the 3.5 setting for D&D. Mm-hmm. And I knew most of those books back to front more than I knew like half the stuff I should have been learning in school just because I was interested <laughs> in it. And yeah. at no point do I remember thinking to myself, oh, everybody should know this because I knew full well. It's like this is, this is deep like library level lore yeah, stuff you're, that you're getting you're, to you're, you're down just... you're down the rabbit hole you know you can't expect people <laughs> to be that engaged with it unless they are also that you know enthusiastic about the thing mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's just it's frustrating to it, it's frustrating to see it especially when you have a you know you, you have a specific hobby that you really like like you know, I'm just getting into 40k. I'm kind of vectoring into it in in a weird sort of way. In I uh, I listened to uh, the Hunters Hub podcast uh, a while back when I first fir- first started listening to this podcast because when you're at work all day and you're kind of in a factory job sort of position where you're just doing repetitive stuff, it's really mm-hmm. nice to have something to listen to. Yep, and I would get tired of hearing the same, you know, 200 songs over and over again after a while. So it's like, you know, podcasts, there's always something new to listen to. And, you know, throw in the occasional audiobook because Dresden Files. But (laughs) 
so uh, I've, I've actually guested on that podcast a couple of times now. Um, but over, over on Hunter's Hub, they were, they, they, uh, I don't think they do these now, but they were doing them for a while where it was, you know, we're all going to play a game for a few weeks and then we're going to talk about it. You know, sort of like we're doing with, with, uh, Anime Club. Mm-hmm. And this particular episode was on Blood Bowl 2. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I own Blood Bowl 2, but I've never played Blood Bowl 2. So I wouldn't play Blood Bowl on you know on my steam library because it had been sitting there i'd gotten it on a sale and had just never touched it and then, and then after that i was like <laughs> so it's football with orcs okay i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> so now i have a blood bowl starter set i have a set of miniatures that i have come you know built compiled and built to make a custom team of amazons for blood bowl because there is no officially released set of miniatures for that team in the game yet oh and uh by the way there is going to be a new rule set coming out uh i believe by the end of the year uh that overhauls quite a bit of stuff like they're adding a passing stat passing used to rely on agility only so Mm. you have weird situations where like a dude with high agility because they're meant to like dodge around things and run really fast would be a good passer. You had weird <laughs> jank like that, so now everything's a passing stance. And <laughs> and this this is based entirely on like leaks that people have found of the of the upcoming rule book, but it appears that before you had to like roll two d. You know, whenever you roll for a stat, you I believe it was like you roll two d six. You try to get under the the set number. Mm-hmm. Well, they're changing that to a single d six and Warhammer style notation. So your passing stat might be a two plus. Mm-hmm. So two or better on a d six, or it might be a five plus. Oh, okay, gotcha. Or gotcha. in the case of models that they didn't intend to ever be passing the ball. There's just no passing stat. It's just a dash. <laughs> it's like, nope, they can't even throw the ball. They don't have the brain for it. This zombie this zombie cannot throw the ball because if it tries to throw the ball, its arm is going to go with the ball. <laughs> I just, I love that. This, this, this uh, idea that the zombie kind of gets the ball. It's like, okay, what do I do with it now? I just sort of stares at it like, I know that I must do something with this. <laughs> But I don't know, and then just get clunked by the you know next player. <laughs> uh, do, do you have Blood Bowl on Steam? I don't think I do. Um, uh, next time it's on sale. Next time it's on sale, I'm going to try to hook you up because uh, the the uh, the the Steam version of the game is pretty much completely rules compliant with the current tabletop version. I think. Mm-hmm. Or it's at least close enough to it that it's hard to tell the difference. So, and I think it would be a lot more fun to play against a player than the computer that cheats with dice. Oh, that actually gets me onto a point which I think we could probably cover as a whole thing by itself. But, and I understand why, because back in the day and even today, it's difficult to get an AI 
to really challenge a person once you get the rules down. I remember even thinking about um, a guy who used to play um, both of the Federation years ago, where he actually described is once you've gotten used to this game, it's kind of like a big four four uh, X um, Star Trek esque galaxy development thing. Mm-hmm. Once you get used to it you're looking around at the various NPCs, not as challenges or like actual threats, but as resources. At what point do I go over and absorb the Klingon empire so I can use their home world to, <laughs> you know, for my industrial machine. And it's like, huh. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, well, I actually found it really difficult actually. But what it was is the difference between, um, playing against a player who knows what they're doing and it can actually you know, strategize and stuff versus the computer who literally just makes a lot of the same ship and then throws it at you. But not just a lot of the same ship, more ships than they actually have any right to have at any <laughs> one time. It's like, you're cheating. You are definitely cheating. And I, of course, There's... it's just the way it, it has to kind of keep up with you is to have to, you know, as, as a simple mechanic, just throw more stuff at you. That's all I'm it go- can do. I'm going to apologize in advance for the swear, but this is the actual name of the trope. You can look it up on TV tropes. The mm-hmm. computer is a cheating bastard. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the name of the trope, and <laughs> games like Blood Bowl are one of the reasons why it's a trope. Uh, I just but imagine, I mean, you know, something like that in chess. You know, you're playing against a, a Grandmaster AI program. It's like, okay, let's set up one more notch, and it just starts moving pieces like twice. Hey, I saw that. You moved it twice. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, one of the one of the red threads that uh, I, I learned about the 2020 rule set getting leaked. Um, it's from a few days ago. One of the comments, you know, so, somebody's like, Blood Bowl is a terrible game, but I love it anyways. And, and someone, someone's like, why is it a terrible game? And somebody, it's not. It's just a brutal game. You can play a two-hour game and lose due to one dice roll. I get annoy some people. <laughs> My favorite reply to that, that feeling when halfway through the league, you're powered up 11 armor block Croxigore dies, blocking your opponent's brand new wood elf lineman with a team reroll <laughs> on the block and an apothecary <laughs> on the death. I've done the maths on it before. I can't remember the exact result, but the chance to have that happen is somewhere in the one in 2 million range. <laughs> Probably the most unlucky thing that's happened to me in a game. Oh, I had one of my guys die tripping up on the grass going for it. Oh, that's a surprisingly <laughs> common cause of death. I've had multiple guys die like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if your guy wants to run one square, then his movement allowance says there is a chance of death. <laughs> that's how so bonkers the, this game is. The, the grass is more dangerous than the opponents. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that groundskeeper clearly isn't keeping the uh, the, gla- the grass nice and level. He's too busy too busy trimming the trees outside oh, to stop oh, the what? stop what? people finding twigs. What's the term? They, I think I think they call it. It's it's not even grass. It's like astro granite. <laughs> gotcha. So it's like technically these aren't grassy fields. This is like. <laughs> This is like asphalt, only worse. Because <laughs> it's potentially lethal. Like, oh yeah, your goblin tripped on his own shoelaces. He's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've got so, so I've got I've got a, a 
a, a physical uh, Blood Bowl starter sitting on the shelf over there. I've got a, a starter set of, of Warcry, which is the uh, Age of Sigmar skirmish game. I've got a starter set for Kill Team, which is the 40k skirmish game. And now I've got 9th edition rulebook. I'm really glad I didn't go and buy an 8th edition rulebook like <laughs> a month ago. Yep. That would have, you know, I, I, at that point I would have been, you know, taking it back to the store. Uh, yeah. Can I return this? There's a new rule of edi- rules edition that got announced two days after I bought this thing. <laughs> you know, on the, some- on the bright side, most of the existing codexes should actually still be relevant mm-hmm. for a while. Like, you know, like, like how they do, like. They specifically wanted Ninth Edition to be more of an evolution of the rules rather than a revolution of the rules. So they didn't change too much. They just I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm gonna take a look in my. Uh, I've got like first edition. I don't know if it's a first edition, but I've got like the first uh, rule book for Age of Sigmar. I should compare the rules the, the age of sigmar rules to the ninth edition 40k rules and see how similar the 40k rules are now because i know there were some distinct differences between the two i wonder if uh they have brought them more into parity or if it's still too different to you know throw future orcs against ancient orcs and see who wins <laughs> <laughs> Because they both, yeah, they're both just looking for a fight. Let's see who, let's see who would actually win. Probably the guys with the guns. I was going to say that the shooters would definitely make a uh, a significant difference. I think. Yeah. So yeah, bring us your shooters, boys. He's only got choppers. Yeah, I've, I've I've got way too much. Like I don't have room for all of the miniatures that i don't have assembled right now <laughs> it kind of sucks it's like i need a house pine heat storage space oh man okay so a fair warning even when you do get more space there's i never we've got space there's never enough space <laughs> i've got an entire corner of our our uh, room upstairs basically filled up with i think at last count it was a good dozen or so of the big roughneck like huge totes mm-hmm. just full of lego it's not even like a gaming system or anything it's just lego that i can you know mess around with from time to time and i don't even get to do that because it's like by the time you say i'm gonna build some like really big cool awesome ship exactly on to the next one yeah <laughs> just you know, a dozen of those boxes, it's, it's not going to work. I really need to organize that stuff, I think. Yeah, I mean... Uh, my, my, my kids' Lego collection is starting to rival my Lego collection, which I've told Cass numerous times now, just, just put all of my, you know, Lego stuff with the kids' Lego stuff. I'm, you know, it's like... I've got other plastic toys I need to be focusing on right now. <laughs> I don't need to be, you know, trying to... It's like, there was a point where I was really into Brick Wars, which was mm. this uh, sort of bespoke war game uh, rule set that somebody made that was in, 
specifically designed for massive Lego battles, but very much in the vein of, uh, you know, like you're going to throw your guys at each other. They're going to get horribly dismembered and everyone has a laugh, you know, because <laughs> that's it's always like, fun. It's like, you know, it's like the rule book actually says if you are going into this and you are trying to rules layer something, your opponents have permission to slap you across the back of the head. <laughs> <sighs> so. But yeah, I mean, and we're just yeah, and we're just looking at like the the wargaming and RPG side of things. That's not even covering like the three boxes of Exceed that I have sitting over there, which is a card game that emulates 2D fighting games. Mm. So I've got all the Street Fighter decks and all the Shovel Knight decks <laughs> at this point. And they just, uh, this week, they I, I guess I could have put this in news, this week they just announced that uh, Season 5 of Exceed from Level 99 Games is going to be Blaze Blue. Mm. So... That'll be interesting. It's because it's That's... like they, they they managed to get the Street Fighter license through Jasco, which already had a license to work with the Street Fighter property from Capcom. Mm. So they kind of got they, they, they kind of got, you know, it, they, they managed an end run in to do that. Shovel Knight, I imagine they worked directly with Yacht Club Games on that. But Blaze Blue, that's Arc System Works. That is a major Japanese fighting game publisher. Mm -hmm. And they got the license to do Blaze Blue in Exceed. And I'm like, <laughs> this, you know, th this relatively small, you know, board game company out of New Mexico got a license from a major Japanese developer. It's like, that is a big deal. That is awesome. Props to them for that. That is amazing that they got to do that. I am I am so happy for them. Because I really like their stuff, you know? Yep. So I mean I I've got that. I've got I've got Trogdor the board game. There's a board game? I have There's, not heard of that. There, I kickstarted it. I've got like, oh, gotcha. okay, gotcha. I've got I've got all the the little meeples that they made, which you know apparently, uh, it's it's actually, I th I think Greater Than Games is technically doing the publishing for it now. Now that it's in uh, officially in retail, <laughs> but I think that version is just plastic miniatures. It doesn't have the meeples. I've got the version mm. with just meeples, and they're freaking <laughs> adorable. <laughs> Because I've also got like a set of Homestar Runner meeples that they also made as a like a an add-on. So like I you know, you could have a Trogdor meeple and a Homestar meeple on the board if you really wanted to. It's so funny. I actually I still have a Trogdor t shirt and occasionally when I wear it, I still get people say, Oh, I love Trogdor, blah blah blah, Homestar <laughs> Runner. It's so funny because it's it's not necessarily a dead franchise, but that show, the series, has been, you know, hasn't been added to in such a long time. Well, there was a there was a gap. Mm-hmm. And a good reason a good part of that gap was that was right around the time when the dot com bubble really burst. 
Mm. And so it was really hard to, you know, like maintain a, you know, functional business to raise families, you know, on if it, all you had was an online store of merch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was part of it. The other part of it was, you know, because of that, the two main guys who, you know, did all the work on Homestar Runner went and got actual other jobs. I mean, um, uh, I mean the the shows that they've worked on is just like wait, they they were part of that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the uh, Matt Chapman, the guy who did uh, you know, all the voices or most of the voices. Uh, he was one of the writers on Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. And he even got to do a few cameo voices. Like, <laughs> I believe the big, fin- you know, the big weird finale for Gravity Falls. Um, he basically just straight up used his strong bad voice for one of the, <laughs> the big characters. <laughs> They're just throwing it in. It's like, yeah, just throw Matt in the booth. Voice. Just throw, throw Matt in the booth. Let him do one of his funny voices, you know. So, so it's it's literally the strong bad voice coming out of something that is not strong bad, and it's just kind of like, <laughs> like, wait, where I heard that before? <laughs> it's like that, that 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 I think that's a show that I want to watch at some point. I just can't watch it with the kids. Mm-hmm. It's it it gets a little too weird at times, and I'm just. I just worry that it's, you know, a bit much for the kids, but. Uh, yeah, so I got that. I've I've got, uh, oh yeah, board games. I've got most of the Tiny Epic franchise, which is boxes are about yay big, but what's in the box can spread across an entire table, just about. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's, you know, a really small box size, but you still get like a full massive board game experience from what comes in the small box. So I've got, I think the only, the only boxes I'm missing at the moment are the expansion to the co-op tower defense one and the zombie one, because I'm not a big fan of zombies. Mm Mm-hmm. I might make an exception because it's tiny epic. <laughs> See what 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 actually the reason I even found out about um this franchise in the first place is um the the city we used to live in we were close enough to I don't remember if I told you this already the the city that we lived in we were close enough uh to the publisher that the publisher would actually do playtesting rounds at the local game store that I went to. Oh, I think you did mention that at one point. Yes. So I got to try out some of these games before they were even on Kickstarter. Mm. And it's, it kind of sucks that I had to move away. That was, Mm. that was one of the things that's, that's one of the things I really miss about the last place I lived. Yep. So yeah, as far as um, board games are concerned, I have not played anything hands-on aside from D&D, really. Um, the only thing I can think of that I played recently with, with anyone was uh, Settlers, uh, Catan. Yeah. And I love that stuff. I, I desperately want to get all of the like the different expansions and 
and just go ham on that stuff. But number one, expensive. Yeah. Number two, it's, it's hard to find people who are willing to, to get into it and play it regularly because it's one of those things it's like i want to explore all the different aspects of this and try out different things but it's like do you want to play it's like sure and you spend an hour kind of going through it and slowly inducting people into it and it's like you want to play again i'm good it's kind of like play monopoly it takes a while it's like okay okay i get it yeah that's yeah. fine so <laughs> yeah there's i mean it's really interesting how we've reached this point where board games have kind of adopted sort of a DLC type model. Oh, sure. It, you know, it, expansions and, you know, mini expansions, mega expansions, you know, basically, you know, here's the core game experience. This is what we really intended the game to be. But if you want to add more players, you can buy this box. And if you want to add more features, you can add this box on top of it and so on. And so and oh boy <laughs> i mean it makes sense I, I understand where they're coming from they want people to get into the game and so you don't want to throw everything at them all at once here's the core stuff it's not mm -hmm. simple necessarily but at least it's it's watered down enough that you can just get a good game going and then by the time you're done with that if you're still liking it you can be like you know what i wish there was more it's like there is come mm -hmm. come with me to my my library of all these wonderful <laughs> things twenty dollars fifty dollars etc etc and that's that's the price you pay i mean having to 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 get these extra things but sometimes i, I find it's worth it one of the things i love about uh the recent fifth, five, fifth excuse me edition um, kaleidoscope of of extras is I love the cards that have like the monsters on them or the spells or just even like the martial stuff so you can keep track of everything and I just believe, turn it over when you're done. I believe those are technically third party products, probably, and it doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. they're, they're they're directly licensed which is why they oh yeah they look they've got, they look yeah, they've official, got but i'm positive i'm almost positive those are gale force 9 mm -hmm. and not actually published by uh wizards of the coast gotcha which you know it's which, actually wizards of the coast is you know not exactly on my you know favorite companies list right now for yeah for reasons that we touched on last week and we shall not go into because <laughs> yeah one episode <laughs> One episode of that was enough. Let's not get into that again. But I mean, I mean, just 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 looking at what I've got over here. I mean, because exceed is kind of inherently expandable because it's, you know, it, it is a it is a fighting game card game. Mm -hmm. So the rules are, you know, the rules are basically the same, but they can you know, make, you know, tweaks and exceptions to the rule for each franchise that they include in this game set to where, you know, if I'm playing Guile from Street Fighter and you're playing, you know, Ragna from Blaze Blue, they're going to feel like very different characters, even though, mm. even though it's the same card game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a game like that's, you know, very, very expandable. Uh, you got games like Smash Up, which is you know a game where you you have you know like half decks of cards, and you pick two of them. They have different themes on them, and you shuffle them together. So you could have like fairies and dragons. So now you have 
fairy dragons, as that's your deck that you play with. <laughs> and there are so many, there are so many expansions for Smash Up that they have put out not only the big geeky box, but the bigger geekier box <laughs> to hold all of the expansions for Smash Up mm. because it's gotten so huge. And it's, it's a lot like uh, Exceed where, you know, you just have these pre-made, you know, decks of cards and you just shuffle them up and go. It's a real, it's actually very light on setup. So it lets you get into the game really quickly. And I think that, I think that is the hallmark of a good expandable board game or card game where the setup doesn't take very long. Now, if you want like Twilight Imperium, go right ahead. Because <laughs> I imagine that game takes quite a bit of time to actually set up. I have only heard stories. I've never actually played the game myself. I've heard stories of like 12 hour long games of Twilight Imperium with six players and who knows what else. It's like, that is not a game I ever want to play. I enjoy the stories, but I will never touch that thing myself. Yeah, it's actually something we're going to run into on, it's not a card game, but on, on Saga, sorry to keep bringing that one up. Um, but where the unfortunately the late game rules tend to lend for very long battles. And so I'm actually thinking of revamping fourth, the rules before we get that far to maybe fourth, fourth edition it. that problem too. Honestly, yeah. you can look into the Fantasy Flight rule set. Let me I write that down. I don't think it's officially. It's it has a, a it has a specialized dice set because Fantasy Flight loves to make their own dice for stuff. Um, but uh, Star Wars: Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny. Uh, they're all like different aspects of the Star Wars universe. So you got you know the scum and villainy side of things and you've got the military conflict side of things and then you've got the the light versus the dark side side of you know star wars and they're all technically interconnectable mm -hmm. and it's a very narrative uh it's a very narrative focused uh conflict resolution system so you have you basically when you want to attempt something like i want to attack this guy in uh in combat okay well you have you know you have a weapon so that's going to give you so many of this kind of this color of dice mm -hmm. and then you've been aiming at this guy since your last turn for example so you get a different color of die that's going to give you the potential to succeed more mm -hmm. and you know oh well he's behind cover uh, since you started aiming at him. So now there's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a detrimental color of die that we're going to add in. And mm. just in general, it, the attack is this difficult. So now you have this other. So, so, you know, three, four, five different colors of dice that all have different uh, symbols on them, on the, on the different faces. You roll all those dice together and you you know you you cancel out opposing 
things, and you have success. Uh, okay. you, have, you have success, failure, uh, triumph, despair, which are kind of the criticals, mm-hmm. and then you also have. Uh, I don't remember the exact terms. I'm just going to say advantage and disadvantage, and those pairs cancel each other out. And what you're left with is the result. But because of the way it's, the, because of the way it works, you could wind up succeeding with a cost. Mm. You could fail but gain a benefit as a result, mm. or you could have a resounding success. You, you, you could have something really good happen and still fail the role. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the the it's it's up to the GM to determine how the symbols translate into the story that you're telling at the table. Gotcha. So it's, it's a very narrative dice system in that, you know, the, you know, the the result of the dice can wind up with this vast spectrum of possible results rather than a binary pass fail based on the target number. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've kind of, I'm kind of starting to lean away from like a, a D20 system. I'm pondering, you know, since it's going to be a while before Agents of the Nexus comes back, mm. I'm pondering switching over to either uh, Fate Core, which is um, a very narrative focused system, um, or possibly. Genesis, which is basically the Star Wars system I just subscribed to you with the license filed off of it. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I I have both of those in mind. It just depends on what the entire uh, party would want to do because I don't want to force a massive change on everybody. Like if everybody still wants to stick with the D20 system, I'm not going to, you know, say, no, we're doing it this way. So. <laughs> yeah, fake fake course. When I looked up actually recently, I found, I think it was from your suggestion uh, on a similar conversation. Um, I never got to to delve much into it. Fake, but, fake course uh, is interesting because uh, what fake core does is everything has aspects. So when you make a character, you have your high concept, which is the thing that defines who your character is. And then you also have your trouble, which is something that is detrimental to the character or something that, you know, they're worried about. I mean, it could be a number of different things. And then you have, you know, a few other aspects that define your character. The thing I like about Fate Core is that your character is determined by who they are, not what they can do. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what I've that's what I've really liked about it. It's been difficult. I don't know, but between podcasts I've listened to and uh, sessions I've been in, I don't know if I've ever played played or listened to a group that really played Fate Core to the fullest extent that it can be played. Like, you know, the DM hardly ever compels anybody to basically, 
you know you know put obstacles in the way of the the character while at the same time you know rewarding them for allowing the story to be more dramatic by giving them a point that they can leverage later sort mm. of thing is just it kind of felt like okay we're going to tell a story together and we're going to roll a few dice occasionally and there's a lot more to fate core than just that so i'm tempted to try running it myself and see if i can really leverage fate core to the extent that i believe it can be mm-hmm. but a lot of it depends on what the party wants to do so i'm gonna probably gonna put that forward and again there's also genesis which has the whole failing forward or succeeding at a cost sort of you know potential spectrum of results um, mm-hmm. to it because you know again with fake core it's still kind of a target number pass or fail although you can have a broader spectrum of pass or fail depending on how high your result is compared to the target number so mm-hmm. yeah. so it really it's really something that i'm looking into but I'm just not sure how I would make it work yet. I mean, I think it would be relatively easy to take a D&D character and make them into a fake core character. It's just whether or not everybody would want to, you know, try this new thing when everybody's gotten used to the old thing. So, right. Yeah, worth, worth looking into. Definitely going to definitely going to run that by the rest of the rest of the group and see what they think. So show. I mean, we've got 40% of the party here right now. If you count chat. Hi, pretty. <laughs> uh, hey, pr- pr- I just noticed. Why don't I, how come I don't have oh, a thanks. I wasn't paying it. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Gee, thank you. Thank you so much. For for listening to you know our our podcast here on After Atlantis, yeah, thanks. Oh, <laughs> that's understandable. PSO two. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're you're kind of forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so anyway, <laughs> all right. Um, I think that about wraps it up. We've kind of touched on most of the topics that we could uh, could probably just you know talk about when it comes to tabletop gaming we've talked about you know toxic elitists and you know <laughs> all the really fun stuff toxic elitists bad dungeon masters we've we've just run the whole well pay, the whole pay to expand pay, pay to expand i mean I guess to, I guess to wrap that particular thing up, I'm okay with it to an extent, but there comes a point where it kind of starts to feel like you're getting taken advantage of. And that's that's the that's the the line that I I don't like passing is if if it's quality content that adds to the game and enhances the experience and is a fair price, great, I'm all for it because it's paying for the uh, for the franchise. But mm-hmm. if they're just dinging us for the sake of it. And I'm thinking of uh, what's the name of the expansion for the first destiny, the king, something. Oh, like the, uh, take the taking king. 
things like Taken King, which, as far as I know, was an original part of the game. And they just said, let's just slice that off, move it aside, and then we'll make you pay for it after. You know, I, I take, Taken King was actually a really good expansion. You're probably thinking of The Dark Below. Maybe. Dark Be- there was, there was something Be- that they... they yeah, D- Dark Below and House of up. Wolves definitely felt like they could have been included in the main game because those were those were the year one expansions for destiny one taken king was the beginning of year two that was where i dropped into it and i think that's where destiny really got good and i actually haven't gone back and played destiny 2 in a couple of weeks because pso2 yeah (laughs) maybe i'm i mean maybe i'm i just got burned out on destiny 2 and i just needed a different game i mean it's it's sad to say but i just i don't find destiny 2's gameplay loop as compelling as i used to and maybe that's just me i don't know so now i'm trying to think if there's a example of oh you know i know of a really good example of a bad uh expansion uh setup munchkin mm-hmm. i don't think i played that munchkin there are people who dislike munchkin the way other people dislike monopoly ah. because it is designed so that everyone tries to beat up on whoever's in the lead to the extent that it, it 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 has it it's one of those games that has the reputation of ruining friendships splitting families yeah starting uh, civil wars yeah but i mean cuz the thing with munchkin is there's so many different uh variations on it you got munchkin you got star munchkin which is munchkin in space you got munchkin foo which is, you know, martial arts. You got, you know, you got, you know, Cthulhu Munchkin and Pathfinder Munchkin and Munchkin Impossible because, you know, so every theme you can think of, you know, Steampunk Munchkin, you know, every, every theme you can possibly think of. And technically, if you really wanted to, you could shuffle all those cards together, have a stack of cards, yay high, and you know, picture this as if I'm standing up all six <laughs> feet of me. <laughs> and, you know, you could, you know, you could, you could do that. But it, if you wanted to do that, you would be shelling out so much money, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much money, because each, each theme has its own core set and then its own expansion, you know, cards on top of that. Yep. And, and now they're putting out like uh mini packs so you have like you know the munchkin kittens pack which is like 15 to 20 cards that are all cat themed and it's like <laughs> up and take my money <laughs> i'm reluctant but you know it's kittens so what am i going to do <laughs> but yeah I, mean, I got I got board games over there I haven't even touched yet. I need to stop buying board games. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, I, I need to stop buying board games because now it's onto plastic crack as mm-hmm. opposed to cardboard crack. Yep. So 
keep keep showing that off because it's just sitting right here and it's just the perfect you know visual aid which is great in an audio format like a podcast <laughs> yeah the last the last thing i bought t- tabletop wise was the uh the fifth edition there's a pack that i think it two books for no excuse me three books for the price of two yeah and the, the, free the core screen. yeah the, mm. the, the, the three core books yeah yeah, I end up buying those separately, and it's it's one of those cases where, you know, again, touching on what we talked about last week, seeing what they're doing with their their product line and seeing how they are catering to a very specific type of person. I don't want to necessarily say player because I have my doubts as to whether the people who are complaining about quote unquote racism in D and D really play the game to begin with because reasons. Hmm. I mean, it's like they're, they're talking about stripping the term race out of the fifth edition books entirely. Which I'm like, okay, so sure, you could call it ancestry and it would basically be the same thing. I don't understand why this, just because people are having trouble regarding a certain thing that's been going on in America for the past few months, why suddenly something that has been a mainstay of this game system since its inception, why does that need to change? And it's, it's like, it's like they're kind of losing. they're, They're losing sight of their history. I mean, you could say that about our entire country right now, but again, that'll get into the same sort of discussion we had last week. So I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to graze it with a tangent without diving back into that whole discussion again. But, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I honestly have to question whether the people who are making these claims and making these complaints, even play D D to begin with i thought we, I, no I, I thought we were trying to make the game more inclusive and i don't see how changing particular bits of language or completely editing problematic elements of a particular game book that was hailed at the time of its publishing as you know, the, the this great revival of a much beloved D and D setting, specifically speaking of Ravenloft and the Curse of Strahd book, which is getting changed. They are literally changing elements of a an existing, fully published D and D module to cater to people who. 
are entirely far too concerned about things that don't really matter that much. It's D&D. If you want to change how things play out at your table, do it. You know, you, you don't need to have this whole, you know, oh, this is problematic, so everybody needs to have a different version of the book now. Mm. Why? If somebody has a problem with something in the book, they can change it. That's the point of D&D. It's about you and the people you are playing with telling a story together. If there's something about that story in the pre-published book you don't like, you don't have to use it. It's it's what I enjoy the most about games like D&D is taking that framework and literally creating anything you want out of it. It's it's just a literal open universe. Anytime you're playing on a computer or anything like that, you're constrained by the limits of what the computer has set. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's going to be boundaries. It's one of the things that I've been really enjoying and trying to encourage with the Saga game. Again, sorry to keep going back to that. No, there's fine. an entire galaxy that you can explore. And I often say to people, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go? The The galaxy is your oyster. Well, once you can find a way to travel to these places because they haven't actually got themselves a ship of their own yet. <laughs> but the galaxy is your oyster. If you can make the money and travel somewhere go for it. If you want to go investigate such and such that's going on there, we can just sort of drop what we're doing campaign-wise. You can go take a side quest. Go for it. I, I love that about those style games where it is mostly out of the theater of the mind, but you're just constructing a narrative out of thin air. It's it's you know a form of creation that I, I really enjoy. It's why I liked writing. Yeah, and, and again, what what I've been you know talking about here, where if you don't like something in the book, change it. That's what I've been doing with Agents of the Nexus from day one. I've been taking stuff from the book and going, okay, this isn't this doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for my party. How can I make this work in a way that's going to make the story better for all of us? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing this whole time. And so I don't understand why we now have this outcry of you know about you know oh you know this is a racist game we need to change it it's like if you don't like it you don't have to use it you can make things your own and i think what bothers me the most is recently they you know they use an example of a couple of recent books that they've published that you know we we really uh, you know, we, we, we really, you know, raise the bar on, you know, our inclusivity and everything. One of the books they used as an example was, oh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, The Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Matt Mercer's book, his critical role campaign setting for Campaign 2. And they're saying, oh, yeah, how, you know, how the you know, how how you know we we changed how people look at Ed Drow and and you know orcs so that they're not inherently evil races and I'm like Matt Mercer did all that work don't try to take credit for something he did come on now that was his campaign setting from the get go he was the one who made those Drow a you know morally neutral race don't try to take credit for that 
and there's no reason to go changing the entire Forgotten Realms that Ed Greenwood created just because he and Ari Salvatore decided that Drow were going to be inherently evil except for, you know, the small handful of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of player characters. You know what's <laughs> kind of funny about that, though? Is in that same setting, um, one of the story arcs for the main one of the main characters, which is where all that whole setting's birth. We're talking about Critical Role, obviously. Yeah. Um, centered around a pack of goblins who basically murdered one of the main characters and then, for fun, reincarnated her as oh. one of their own. Oh, not not just fun, also revenge. And it's like so. In, in not inherently evil, but blah 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 blah. And I'm not talking about the you know, the the goblins per se, but but that's the kind of thing that we're we're talking about. It's like so. What we're basically saying here is that everybody is capable of some form of evil. Yeah, and that's actually been part of D and D from the word go. How many yeah. human characters in D and D lore from multiple campaign settings have been evil? have been actually the main protagonist, excuse me, main antagonist, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, I, I can't go on. But the, the, the thing that people are taking issue with there is that the race as a whole is by default an evil race, like mm. specifically in Forgotten Realms, the drow, mm -hmm. which, I mean... Yes, I can understand why someone who's only looking at the surface level of that would say, oh, this is racist because they're making these, you know, you know, people, people are, you know, evil by their choices, I would argue otherwise as a Christian, but that's beside the point. My thought is, well, if you look deeper, maybe the reason that, you know, this race of people is inherently evil is because they are trapped in a society that encourages evil behavior and evil acts. And so in order to survive or excel, you must be evil. Why, why is it? I mean, that just popped in my head less than five minutes ago. Why was it so difficult for, you know, these other people to consider that that might be the reason why, this whole race is inherently evil. It's not necessarily, you know, a genetic thing. I don't, I, is, why do we, it's hard for me to, to argue this point because I get so frustrated mm -hmm. at the fact that we're even having to have this discussion. Because, it's nothing to do with, you know, it, it, it. Well, okay, here, here, here's another one. How about the illithids, the mind flayers that, <laughs> that see, that see all other races as nothing more than food? Yeah, what about, what about vampires? Yeah. Nobody's complaining about squid faces. <laughs> It's it's kind of my point. It's like if you're wanting to be inclusive about this sort of thing, as if it's 
that is like we're deliberately trying to to segregate or portray characters as a particular thing or races as a particular thing in D&D. What about the Illithids who, in their culture, they don't see other races as anything more than cattle? Yeah. Did, did that not sound evil to you? And that's a, you could argue that's a cultural thing as much as it is a racial thing. As you just said, they, that's how their society works. It's how they have been brought up. It's what they do. Do we think it's right? No, I don't want to get my brain sucked out. Thank you very much. And, and I know we're, we're talking about an, an extreme as far as like that's a much more alien kind of yeah, race as compared I, I, to say versus elves. Yeah, I, I believe that's I believe that's the distinction is that right. You know, drow and orcs are more humanoid and therefore more relatable than this. You know, these aliens from the far realm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people are able to draw distinctions there, but. Again, it's, you know, it's like, you know, well, why do these people have to be inherently evil? Because you know what? There are people out there who really enjoy playing evil characters. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's a way for them to, you know, you know, vent that sort of, you know, predilection without actually engaging in you know certain activities but you know and in the context of fifth edition alignment barely means anything anyway Mm -hmm. alignment just is barely a factor like it's very very rare unless you're talking about like a sentient legendary magic item it's very, very rare that you're going to even run into a situation where being good or evil, lawful or chaotic, even matters. So why are we making such a big deal about, you know, oh, this race is inherently evil? You know what? In reality, humans are inherently evil. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Without some sort of external influence, whether that be being raised well or, you know, being religious to an extent. I'm not even going to say necessarily Christian. I mean, regardless of my beliefs on that particular matter, it takes something outside of yourself to make you at least attempt to be a good person. Watch anyone with a two-year-old. <laughs> Watch a two-year-old. They did not need to be taught how to behave in the ways that two-year-olds behave. You do not need to teach someone how to be evil. Which is why the argument that video games cause violence is so ludicrous to begin with. Have you ever seen a two-year-old? I guarantee you, when I was two, I was probably a terror. And we didn't have video games when I was two. <laughs> yes, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> I am almost I am almost 40 years old, dang it. We did not have video games when I was born. They did not, I mean, okay, Pong might have existed. Asteroids might have existed. <laughs> that was about it. The, the epitome <laughs> of violence is Pong. <laughs> 
We had Frogger on a on a Commodore sixty. We we had a clone of Frogger on a Commodore sixty four when I was three. You know what I did? <laughs> I would get past the traffic, sit on the shoulder between the road and the river, and watch the frog get run over by the emergency vehicle that came by every few minutes. And to me, that was the game. I enjoyed the heck out of that because I was three. And you know what? No one needed to teach me that watching a frog get run over by an ambulance was funny. <laughs> I was I was just that kind of a kid. And, you know, I had, you know, growing up uh, an only child, I kind of had a unique, you know, experience being raised in so many different places because uh my dad uh became a um air force officer when i was 5 so that was uh i i i did not have a normal childhood by any stretch of the imagination but i still believe that my parents raised me well enough to understand the difference between good and evil even if i don't always choose correctly I mean, you know, again, you know, all all you have to do, you know, well, I'm a good person. Have you ever gone over the speed limit? Well, yeah, then you're technically not a perfectly good person. You, 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 by, by going over the speed limit, you are technically committing a sin because God tells us to obey the laws of man except in places where they would have us disobey the laws of god mm -hmm. speeders are sinners okay <laughs> so when i say that someone is a sinner that means everybody is <laughs> i mean it's just, it's, just, it's just how we are it's part of the fall it's just it takes it takes that external influence to Prinny, come on. <laughs> okay. Ah, Prinny. This is an audio medium, dang it. <laughs> I was going to say, this is, this is going to become a problem in the future when we're trying to... Uh... <laughs> we get uh, suggestions. It's like, okay, we're gonna hang, hang on, everybody. We gotta read out, read out the chat, so this makes makes sense to everybody. Oh gosh! <laughs> now imagine him sitting on that side of the screen doing a podcast. I'm not gonna be able to carry a straight face for more than five minutes just because of who Prinny is. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you know, again, it's just okay. You know, we're. You know, we're we're born in that fallen state. It takes that external influence of, you know, Christ dying on the cross, salvation. You know, that whole, you know, I, I, I don't want to really just kind of, you know, make that a parenthetical because I believe that's important. But you know, that's not, it's not what we're here to discuss. But it it, it takes that whole process to change us into something that is not you know just bad you know i yeah and 
I think that's I think that's a problem with our society today. I think that's a that's actually a problem in some churches today. Is you have people who are saying, "Oh, we believe that man is inherently good." Ooh, we're not. <laughs> Again, go watch that two year old. You tell me he's inherently good from birth. No, he's not. Because I guarantee you, you know, if his parents are disciplining him properly, he's still going to act up from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and again, you know, I'm almost 40. I still make choices I shouldn't. It's just, it's part of being human. And we have this secular morality that's being enforced over social media and through you know the products we consume these days that it's it's odd because these people are trying you know that you you from from a secular perspective if these people want to believe that man is inherently good why do we suddenly need to change all of these things why are things that were fine 20 years ago suddenly bad now? You know, it's like, you know, I, I was listening to an anime podcast and they really harped on Rising of the Shield Hero because, you know, there was an element of slavery in the world of the story. And I'm like, it's fantasy. It's not real. We in America, we knocked out, you know, slavery 150 years ago. Why are people still harping about this? Why are we still trying to make slavery a thing, which it is, but not in the ways that we think of, you know, just you know, human slavery is still out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not here, but it's still out there. And just human trafficking is is a horrible thing. I mean, it's one of the things that Shade is really passionate about. And I don't see him get passionate about very much very often, but that is definitely one of his trigger points is human trafficking, especially in regards to young girls and young women being used in certain ways that I don't want to discuss here on our All Ages podcast. I mean, it's basically treating a fellow human being as a commodity, as nothing more than a tool. And yeah. it's actually something that bothered me. I think I mentioned this before. I don't remember, but uh, it actually bothered me again recently because I watched another show that had depicted this. For some reason, I, I have this weird, like either phobia or like something just in me that really is disturbed by the depiction of a person or persons consuming what is essentially a sentient creature. And what I mean by that is like, like animal attacks really kind of freak me out. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking here, this is going to be the weirdest thing. I w- recently watched the umbrella Academy and I won't spoil it, but that is a thing that happens. I can't tell you exactly why or how, but in Foster's home for imaginary friends, one of the characters, one of the, the kids, imagines himself a pizza, a pizza slice that essentially is a fully crafted sentient creature in the world of Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And because he's hungry, he eats it. Oh. And it screams. And it's like, 
this is a kid show what did i just watch i don't know why but it really like unsettled me and so that episode yeah i mean it's one of those things it's like and so to to treat people in that same way you know, sentient person who can think and feel and hurt the way that we do and we know we can because we're us we 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 feel that or at least i think all of us feel that i really hope so because um, um, how can you empathize people, otherwise well i believe that uh in a lot of these cases these people have just deadened themselves to that that empathetic part of their soul you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, if if you ever reach the point where you see people as a resource rather than a person, I believe that you've you you've reached a point where there's there there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know. These are these are fellow human beings. It's like we're you know, life's hard enough without us treating each other like cattle. Just yeah, just another transaction. So, so how is I can it we always wind up so how is it we always wind up so deep on these podcasts? It's like hey, let's talk I'm about afraid. this fluffy thing, and then just took a left turn at Albuquerque today. I tried really hard too. I was like, I shouldn't have an opinion on this right now. We we, we sh- I should try to just sort of wait until we get back into whatever we're talking about. But then it's it's so important. Like I said, it it disturbs me on the inside that I can't not want to say something about this sort of thing, regardless of of what it is. Just that, yeah. It's and I've said this before too, where it's a lot of these things are so complicated. Mm-hmm. that it's not as easy as saying thus and so, because as soon as you say thus and so, questions come up every every time, always, every yeah. time. Um, And yeah, it is, it's a whole discussion all by itself. Any one of the points that we brought up in the last half hour, we could spend days picking over and really getting into the, the core of it. And from our perspective, not everybody's going to agree with it, etc. Yeah. And that's fine. But there has to be a discussion, not an argument. That's that's the problem. I think a lot of people yeah. get really defensive really quickly, and it's like, okay, well, hang on, let's back up a second, let's unpack that. Where is this coming from? You don't even you don't even care about me. You don't want to listen. Blah 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 blah. It's like well, there you go. You've 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 put yourself in a place where I'm immediately now not relevant because I'm asking a question. Not necessarily that I disagree, but just even asking a question can get you vilified. Yep. And I believe that the, a good part of that is because, you know, we, we were just talking about not seeing people as people. I believe that social media has contributed to that immensely. And it is we, because all you're seeing is a, a username. The yep. person on the other side is not real. I'm not on a real medium. There's no... There's no eye contact. There's no soul to soul. And people say, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. I think there's definitely something to to be said about that. That when you're you're connecting to someone on, a, on another level, where you're really looking into each other's eyes. I'm not talking about gazing into each other's eyes, but making yeah. that human connection. 
Yeah, I mean, just eye contact it's in much general. It's difficult is... to tell someone to to go jump off a cliff when you're looking right at them. Yeah. In yeah, some cases, I know some people get really angry enough that they do say <laughs> that to each other. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And well, here's here's the thing. Have you have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Just in the past five, six months, that sort of rhetoric on social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, has just gotten so bad. Oh, yeah. So have have you noticed that just, you know, things were bad before. Things are so much worse now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Funny how... That all happened when everyone started getting told to stay home as much as possible. Don't go out in public. Don't interact with people. Treat everyone else like they are a leper. Treat yourself mm-hmm. as though you are a leper. Like I looked it up. Okay, I I I did my I did my Old Testament research. Back in the Old Testament times, the you know the, the 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 mosaic law about how to treat people with leprosy they were to cover the lower half of their face and they were to maintain a minimum distance of 4 cubits from people who were not also lepers a cubit is roughly a foot and a half <laughs> what's four times 1.5 gee that sounds like six feet social distancing <laughs> social distancing and wearing a mask everywhere we are all being encouraged to behave as though we are lepers to each other going by you know, biblical standards you think it's funny come i up didn't with know that was the thing by now <laughs> I didn't even realize that was a thing. That was yeah. uh it's in Leviticus, huh. I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double check. Yeah. But yeah, there are there are biblical the, the 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 biblical laws for you know separating the lepers so that they wouldn't infect the rest of you know the, the tribe or, or whoever. Those were the guidelines. Cover the lower half of your face and stay six feet away from other people. Mm-hmm. COVID is leprosy, is how we are behaving. And how's, has nobody, has nobody noticed this connection but me? <laughs> it's like, you know, congratulations. You know, we, 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 we tried so hard to unify people and be inclusive and keep everyone from being, you know, from, from, feeling like a social leper and now here comes this nasty bug that's about as bad as the flu and you know i'm i'm gonna get pilloried just for saying that but you know along comes this virus and suddenly everybody's a leper and everybody has to go unclean unclean stay six feet away from me i actually heard a story about a guy and I can't. I, I'm so sorry. I, I have a terrible memory. So if I, if I, if I, I should just stop saying it because I probably have said it before. I have a story. So a lady I worked with had a friend who went to the store and forgot to put on a mask. She was heading towards the store. I think it was in Washington. 
and some guy came up to her and grabbed her by the shoulders and started shaking her like violently. What are you thinking? What are you doing here without a mask? Like, I mean, just possessed, angry, just shaking this poor woman. And she's like, just, sir, let me go. I forgot. I'm sorry. I'll go. Blah, 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 blah. Just let me go. And he wouldn't let her go. It, and funny, what, that's what, not engaging in proper social distancing, is it? No, that was the funny thing. <laughs> and it was like, so number one, you're not engaging in proper social distancing. Number two, you're moderating where you have no business walking up to someone and shaking them for something like that. If it's really against the law or, or whatever or a problem, call the cops and have them deal with it. Leave her alone. And the, the thing is, she would not have been admitted to the store if the store said that she couldn't go in. That's just yeah, exactly. how people are. But what, what irked me the most was that this guy was doing this and people were walking by, not even looking. Like, I'm not part of it. I don't want to get involved. The first thing I would have, did, I would have said the same thing. Sir, you need to back off and let her go. It's not your place to to to, to um, basically to punish someone. Is effectively what he was doing in, in some regards. And then in finally, like a minute or two later, somebody yes. from the store came out with a couple of other like colleagues and said the same thing. Sir, let him let her go. Just back up, etc. And he did. But who knows how far he would have gone if nobody had intervened? It's like, what is wrong with people? Well, it's the whole public shaming thing. It's like, oh, they're not yeah. wearing a mask. They don't care about other people's health. Maybe they have a perfectly valid health reason for not wearing a mask. Etc. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of reasons, both physical or mental, a number of good health reasons for people to not wear masks. But you have these laws that are being enforced as though they are universal, even though they are not. As I say, it's from state to state. They all have different different ways of handling it. Not even state to state, city to city. True, actually, like, yeah. Where, where I live, there is a mask order in place, but it does not cover small children. Mm-hmm. It does not cover people with valid health reasons. But you walk in the store and you are required to wear a mask inside the store. If you mm-hmm. have a If you have a health reason for not wearing a mask, they encourage you to use their their uh, shop from home, you know, thing. It's like grocery right. shopping from home, especially when you are a individual or a family that prefers fresh home cooked meals as opposed to something out of a box. Shopping from home is a bad deal because you don't get to pick out the produce you want. You don't get to pick out the cut of meat that you want. You have to rely on an, a store employee to handle that for you. Who I can guarantee does not give one jot about what exactly what you get. Yeah, I swore up and down we were not going to talk about COVID this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably wrap it up there, actually. It's just about noon for both of us. I need to go get some lunch. <laughs> so- Quick, quick question to sort of end on a on a high note. What is sure your thing. favorite? What is your favorite tabletop gaming like, either game or style or genre, whatever? Oh man, that's that is tricky. Um, honestly, my favorite 
board game might be my favorite board game would probably be Castle Panic because mm-hmm. it's a cooperative tower defense. Like you literally set up a tower in the middle of the board and you have all these monsters, you know, coming in from the outside of the board. It is it plays like, you know, a literal tower defense kind of game, like almost plants versus zombies like. Um for card games, probably Netrunner, which is no longer being uh it's no longer in print. Mm. Uh but that's really interesting because it's sort of this, you know, uh it's it's a sort sort of cyberpunk setting and the gameplay is actually asymmetric because it's one on one. You have one player who is uh attempting to hack into servers that are set up by the other player. Mm-hmm. And so so you have the runner and the corporation. The corporation is trying to complete their agendas. And the runner is trying to basically go in and expose these agendas because, you know, well, the, you know, it's the corporations. They don't care about people that 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 whole cyberpunk mindset <laughs> of, you know, well, the court, you know, the, the you know, the, the corporations are doing, you know, borderline evil, sketchy stuff. So we're going to try to expose these agendas. And, you know, the corporation puts out, you know, like. You know, you know, basically the the digital security to protect their, um, you know, their their agendas until they are able to actually bring them to fruition. Mm. And one clever thing is that not only do you have face down cards that could be an agenda, could also be something that's kind of a trap. <laughs> you don't know until you actually able until you're actually able to make it all the way to the end of the server. Mm. Well, at the same time, the runner can choose to either go after one of these remote servers that the the corporation player has set out to get their agendas done. But if I'm the runner and you're the corporation, I can just go. All right, I'm going to make a run on your HQ, which is your hand. And if I can make it past the defenses that you put up on your hand, if you've got an agenda in your hand, I can score that agenda instead of you before you <laughs> even get to play it. I can do the same thing with your archives, which is your discard pile. I can do the same thing with your deck. <laughs> if you've got an agenda sitting on top of your deck and you don't have it protected, all I have to do is make a run on your uh, on your R and D mm-hmm. to go at your deck, and oh, I top decked an agenda. That's more points for me. <laughs> and it was just it, it, that. That's the most fascinating part of of that to me is that the hand, the deck, the discard pile. Those are normally considered sort of out of play to mm-hmm. some extent, unless you have you know, like in Magic, you're not really going unless you know somebody's playing a discard heavy deck they're not going to be messing with your hand all that much. Mm-hmm. You know, the focus of magic is the combat uh, between the creatures on the board. But this is, you know, you're a corporation trying to do sketchy stuff. I'm trying to expose you in any way I possibly can. So if that means that I need to dig through your hand and look at a card and, oh, it's an agenda. Points for me. I can do the same thing with your deck. I can do the same thing with your discard pile. 
So if I can, so if I have stuff that makes you discard cards or makes you mill cards from your deck to your, to your, uh, you know, and another thing is, uh, you can actually like when you, when you discard cards, those go, those go face down until Mm. I actually make it into your archives and then I flip them all over and then I score anything that's in there. (laughs) <laughs> so if I can for you, so if you, so if you know, you don't want to make it easy for me to do that. You might keep a bunch of agendas in your hand, but then I can make a run on your hand, and I can potentially score an agenda straight out of your hand. It's a brilliant gameplay design because <laughs> it makes it so that you have to protect everything and not just choice pieces of your deck's win condition. Mm-hmm. So, it's 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 fascinating, and I think I have a tabletop simulator mod with all of the cards in it. So I might have to look into that. So, yeah. So that's that's card game. Um, as far as uh, as far as my favorite RPG, I'm probably going to say 5e even though i'm trying to to move away from it just because it's so easy to get new players in through 5e Mm -hmm. and once you introduce them to this is role playing this is what an rpg is like then you can kind of move them off into okay now this is a different kind of role playing game that focuses more on who you are rather than what you can do like with Mm -hmm. you know fake core and stuff like that yep and then war games, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have a favorite child in this in this category. <laughs> it's let me, hard. Okay, I have Yeah, and keep in mind I probably have at least as much unbuilt stuff as built stuff for every single one of these games. I have War Machine, I have Malifaux, I have 40k, I have Age of Sigmar, I have Relic Knights, which they were working on a second edition when the company almost went bankrupt, and thankfully they're starting to dig themselves out of the hole, so I might actually see that Kickstarter show up at some point. But... Yeah, I, I've got so many games, especially skirmish-focused ones, because I like the small, you know, condensed gameplay, as opposed to here's a hundred miniatures across a six-foot board. Have fun for three hours. <laughs> Have fun throwing twenty d sixes at a time for three hours. So. <laughs> You know, I I I like I, I like War Machine because of the 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 war jacks and the, the mechanics inherent in that. Um, I got into Age of Sigmar and 40k because you know they're kind of the 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 er example of tabletop wargaming as far as you know stuff that's not historical. Mm. Uh, although I guess ch- Chainmail did exist back in the proto D days that's where the D split off from so i you know but you know, okay you, you understand what i'm getting at though when 
oh, yeah. when most people think of tabletop war games, they think of Warhammer in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, Malifaux actually gets rid of dice altogether, uses cards, uh, just like a, a poker deck, mo- a modified poker deck for um, its resolution mechanic, which is really fascinating. Mm. Especially if you're holding the red joker in your hand. Because then, you know, you can just kind of go, oh, darn, I missed that really critical shot. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. This is my card now. That's always fun. Uh, Relic Knights was a very anime take on the, uh, the tabletop skirmish thing. I've got so many... I've got like two whole factions of miniatures from the original Kickstarter and I'm waiting on a starter set from the second edition. But again, company almost went bankrupt. So they're trying to dig themselves out of the hole at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, since we're already running long, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it. I got, I got, I got, I got to turn the, the question back around on you because this is all about <laughs> me here. I'm going to keep it very simple. Um, as far as like tabletop gaming is concerned, just as a global thing, D and D, and I, I guess I mean RPG tabletop pen and paper gaming. Yeah, hands down, and I've already explained kind of why is my favorite ever gaming system, and probably always will be, just for the sheer. I mean, you can you can modify other games as you like as much as you're able to, but yeah. there's such an already inherent open world open universe feeling to those games that i can't think of anything else i'd rather play it it exemplifies all the things i really enjoy about gaming it allows me to be an actor which i love doing it it allows me to use my imagination which i do all the time i can't help myself just a, a creative aspect the getting together with friends and messing about in a fantasy setting, a sci-fi setting, just something that isn't real. It's, I love it. It's hands down my favorite thing to do. And just, there's something very satisfying too about rolling that dice. Oh, got an 18. Yay. Like, like that <laughs> stupid stuff, like getting excited about rolling an 18. It's, it's very, it's a lot yeah. of fun. I, I love it. I do enjoy some of the, uh, the the card games I've played, though I haven't played a whole lot of them and not very much. Um, I played a lot of Warhammer to begin with, though I got out of it mostly for cost reasons. Cost reasons, and also, I'm unfortunately one of those people who I love the idea of painting miniatures, but my hands shake when it gets down to the little details, and I can't. I just can't do it very well at all. Yeah, it. Uh... I guess you could look at it from the perspective of technically you only need to have as good, good enough of a paint job to see it from like three feet away sitting on the table. True. True. So, (laughs) you know, as, as long as it's, you know, doesn't look like you're painting a, you know, Joker smile on a dude. You should be fine. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is too, is I can always just feel like uh, so people just kind of look very closely at my miniatures and be like, what happened? It's like, Oh, I, uh, my kids were helping me. <laughs> <laughs> always nice to have that excuse. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is actually, do you have uh, I forget. Do you have tabletop simulator? I do actually. Yes. I feel like I told you this before too. Uh 
there are ways of actually playing Warhammer on tabletop sim. Mm-hmm. Like people have constructed mm-hmm. 3D models that can be dropped into 40k and you know proper tables and everything all you know that that are basically presets and we could see about trying it out before we actually because i mean obviously we're not going to be able to you know put models on a table together anytime soon no given the distance between us but you know tabletop sim is a fascinating piece of software when it comes to things like that because it actually lets you play these games that are designed for people around a table mm-hmm. when your you know entire time zones away from each other cuz you know again here you know here at after atlantis we've got people on the team across every single time zone because mm-hmm. I know you're Pacific all the time. I'm in Arizona, so I'm Pacific half the year, Mountain the rest of the year. <laughs> and then we got folks in Central and Eastern too. So you know, that's just how things are. It's just how our particular uh, social connections happen. But I was uh, I was asked about lunch like 45 minutes ago by my wife, and I just now noticed. <laughs> so. I think it's about time to end the podcast. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We'll have to just make notes of all the things that we we're like, we should talk about that more. It's like next, next idea, next yep. idea. Yep. <laughs> so uh, again, just a reminder, uh, no anime club discussion next week. That'll be the week after. And aside from that, I believe that's about it for this week. Any mm-hmm. last thoughts? No, um, I'm still pretty silent on all of the stuff I've been working on. I'd love to get back into various things like the channel and Twitch streaming, but it's given that I'm already looking to have to not do things, yeah. probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much just whatever I can do when I can do it, either gaming with my friends and family. I kind of want to keep it that way, so I'm not like sacrificing that kind of time for yeah, I get that. stuff. I get that. But uh, on on the bright side, you do have options that include both family and the rest of us. So indeed, yep. In fact, <laughs> yeah, PS PS O two, I think, is looking to be one of the uh, sort of moving into that territory for a little bit. We'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, definitely need to need to get you guys up to level fifty so we can start getting you into like advanced quests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it really doesn't take a lot of time, especially right now with. Uh, that one giveaway that they're doing where you you basically log in for up to 10 days between now and like early September and you'll earn uh, 5 million XP worth of tickets over that time. Yikes. <laughs> so that's a good way to get started in a class. Mm-hmm. Just log in every day. So. The only, th- only thing I have to decide now is whether I want to delete and remake my hunter in the second ship because the the hunter character that's been my mainstay like ever since I started playing PSO I've been, I've played a particular cast hunter character that has like been me and yeah. so I really want to be able to do that it's probably going to end up being my main 
one thing to make things go faster if you mm. d- do decide to do that. Um, okay. I'm, this is... You know what? I'm going to ask you off the air. Let's go ahead and end. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's sign off before I get into this because, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, for the... Uh, for After Atlantis in the Lighthouse Lounge, uh, I am Chrono Strider. And I'm Drasio. And we'll see you next week. See you on the other side.